1: could just be in
0: me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities.
3: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, pre-recording from the home bunker. Folks, I hope that you have enjoyed your holiday week. We are off for just one more day, but I'm very excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily for the very first time, Varun Nikkor, who is the founding executive director of AAPI Victory Alliance. And, you know, in this conversation with Varun, I ask questions, you know, about how the AAPI community has been positioned in many ways through the lens of white supremacy as model minorities. And what does that mean, right? And how they better move past that distinction to link arms with other communities of color, the Black community and other communities of color. And, you know, I ask questions about what it is that we get wrong, right, about this very diverse, very layered community. And on top of that, we get into a conversation which is just chilling, right? But the last couple of headline mass shootings that we saw were actually at the hands of AAPI individuals directed towards people in their own communities. And Varun talks about a really startling new marketing campaign that the NRA has been doing, directing their attention to this community, which is very affluent, but has uh, had a very low gun purchasing rate. And how they have exploited how the NRA has exploited these last shootings and the rise in anti Asian hate that we saw at the hands of the Trump administration and particularly during COVID has used this to try and get new fucking members. And it's really wild and crazy. And so we talk about so very much in this conversation and You know, it's one that we will continue to have on Woke AF because I believe that we need to what does it look like, right, to really form a multiracial democracy, particularly at a time when white supremacy and white supremacist domestic terrorist violence is at an all time high. What does it look like to link arms, to elevate each other's stories, successes as well as traumas? And then how do we find solutions together? So I'm really excited, folks, to bring you this conversation with Varun Nekor, who is the founding executive director of AAPI Victory Alliance. Folks, I am very happy to welcome to Woke Daily for the very first time Varun Nekor, who is the founding executive director of the AAPI Victory Alliance, um, as well as uh, the newly launched AAPI think tank. Um, Varun, it's great to have you on, uh, Woke AF. And um, I want to start off with talking today about the fact that whenever we have had a, whether it is a mass shooting, it is a stabbing. It is a push on the subway over the last um, couple of years. And that violence being directed towards a member of the AAPI community. We have news reports. We have headlines. We have coverage for what feels like a hot minute. And then we go about our business in mainstream media. And so I want to get a sense from you Um how do you feel about the coverage, right, of said violence against your community? And then also, um, how do we continue to have the conversation regardless of specific acts that reach the headlines?
4: Yeah, I, I and I appreciate you having me on, Daniel. Thank you so much. Um, it, this is such a great opportunity to to tell the larger story of what's happening in America today, uh, at least from the API perspective, you know, the, the coverage is disheartening. Um, I would say, um, in many respects, right. We've heard about shootings go on, you know, literally for decades as gun ownership in the United States has increased, uh, you know, many fold, right. I think there's 600 million guns in the country, uh, or so. And so, with, um, I, I would say the nuance that's happening more recently is uh, this concern uh, legitimately over the numbers of mass shootings, which are now occurring uh, about one a day, according to the gun violence archives. And interestingly, right, I think the, there's another trend here that, um, that since Sandy Hook, about 10 years ago, a little bit more than 10 years ago now, the number of AR style weapons, which are the, you know, uh, assault weapons being utilized in these mass shootings has seen also an exponential rise since Sandy Hook. So folks are those with guns. They're not only uh, utilizing these weapons, but they're utilizing these weapons because obviously they want to cause the most amount of mass destruction in the shortest period of possible, right? So that's, that's alarming. And so I think the statistic is roughly 75% of the uh, mass shooting incidents are now caused by assault weapons, right? So that's why a lot of folks, including uh, our organization and many, many others, uh, are calling for an assault weapons ban. Um, media has been, it, it, it's sort of interesting, right? It's uh, there, There's so many things going on in today's news cycle that we, yes, we hear about a mass shooting, uh, there's a lot of heartbreak, and then we move on to either the next mass shooting, or we move on to the next, you know, incident, whether it's the overthrow of Putin in, in Russia uh, this week, or it's something about, you know, Donald Trump's Myriad of cases, the next, right? Then, so right? Yep. It's it's the desensitization, I would say, over all of this that uh, alarms me. Um, we are on one hand desensitized, and on the other hand, I think we are also um, we're concerned. Uh, and one one data point uh, specifically is, you know, you're referring to uh, and your second question was referring to the API community and how we're sort of seeing what I would call the the back end of the ba- uh, of the of the tail of uh, the rise in racist incidents against the API community post pandemic right now. It, it was sort of random acts of violence, if you will. Um, And it's now turning into our people are being targeted uh, by Mm -hmm. guns, right? And so you've seen the extreme nature of the violence and the hate now starting to rear its ugly head. Uh, And it's, um, unfortunately, it's not only um, folks that are not Asian that are causing incidents, but it's also Asian Americans, who are uh, you, you know responding to the marketing uh, and I'd love to talk to you about that more but we're responding to the marketing by the NRA to our community yep. we're exploiting our 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 fears marketing guns to us we are purchasing the, the guns and now unfortunately in certain cases we're actually utilizing those guns uh, like we saw in Monterey Park and Half Moon Bay earlier this year both of those uh, mass shootings were asian americans unfortunately
3: let's talk about that because you know here's the thing about the nra uh and their and their um underhanded uhness and how and who they market to and when which is that the marketing is based on fear right so any community that is currently being targeted outside of the black community because they don't want the black community to have guns but um any other community that is being targeted um they then see a marketing opportunity right a marketing opportunity at the hands of the very thing that is killing said members of the community it's a, it, it it is a it's such a circuitous and crazy uh web that they that they weave and it works and i do i i want to talk about those two shootings that happened that were at the hands of Asian Americans directed towards right the AAPI community, and uh, how do you how did you how do you grapple with that? Because you see the media is not very good at nuance. <laughs> the media is not very good at, at at really being able to part out and parcel and make sense of complicated issues. The the media is very binary in their thinking, right? Um, very a then we go to be very black and very white. So how do you talk about, how do you think that we needed to have a better narrative around those kinds of incidents?
4: Well, you're, uh, I'll, I'll start with you're absolutely right. Um, Mainstream media is really not. uh, uh, We long for the days of long form media, (laughs) right? Where you could actually have an intelligent conversation. We're devoid of intelligent conversations. You were moving from one emotion to the next emotion uh, a hundred times in a 30 minute program. Right. So uh, and so mainstream media is also sort of exploiting this. They're furthering the the fear that we all fear, a uh, feel rather, um, you know, during this time. And that's why I think many of us have just turned off like nightly news who wants to watch that right before we go to bed. Right. And so, um, you, you know, I would say in, in terms of, um, this exploitation, uh, that the NRA is utilizing, they're not only utilizing obviously uh, you know, to the uh, uh, to and far the API community, right? They look at whatever marketing niche they can, right? They their their callousness uh, callousness knows no bounds, their vileness knows no bounds, as well as their racist uh, the, the racist elements of their programming know knows no bounds. So, with that as as a an accepted baseline, you know, let's just say that. Um, you know the NRA saw gun sales decline in the uh, 2018 to 20 timeframe in the latter half of the the Trump administration, right? Typically, gun sales go down in Republican administrations; they go up in Democratic administrations for obvious reasons. But you know, the once again, it's the exploit- exploitation rather that uh, uh, Democrats are going to take away your guns, right? And yeah. so, yep, yep. So then they saw this sales decline and then they did ethnographic marketing analyses where they were like okay well where can we sell guns you know their marketing showed their analyses showed that essentially the api community was a it was the lowest gun ownership community in the united states uh and on a per capita basis we were also the wealthiest community wow you know why don't we market to asians they just started to market to asians when the pandemic hit And then, of course, the the rhetoric that was spewed out of the last administration and Donald Trump's mouth just furthered the, you know, the extreme pandemic. So that's the genesis of it all. But, um, you know, the NRA kind of took their marketing to another level. Uh, There's this uh, Chinese American gentleman based in California. Who won a shooting competition? And he uh, was sort of really interesting. He was um, untrained, he was self taught. He wins this major shooting competition. The NRA grabs this gentleman and they decide to make him one of their national spokespeople. And of course, the words that are coming out of this gentleman's mouth are every Asian needs to own a gun. Not only is it our Second Amendment right, but also. Um, you, you know, just insert your, you know, NRA tagline here. Uh, you, you know, you're going to be more safe if you own a gun. You're going to keep your family safe. You know, all this BS, uh, you, you know, ad infinitum that we hear, uh, you know, out of the NRA's mouth every day. And, and um, so what we saw in 2020 was a rise in gun ownership sales And, uh, the thing that concerns us as a, as as a national organization is, and, and I think recent statistics that we've just heard, I think it was out of the CDC, if I'm not mistaken, said that the vast majority of new gun owners, uh, are Mm -hmm. not trained. Uh, but you know, a lot of these folks have young kids in the house. And if you're not trained on safe storage, we know what happens when people own guns Uh, by every measurable statistic and metric in the United States of America, one is less safe. Uh, Suicides rise, accidental death, accidental injury, intentional death, intimate partner violence, you know, just every measurable statistic uh, is the, uh, the wrong way. And I think that you know, we need to do a better job as a community organization. And frankly, uh, a lot of, you know, I think we need to have, you know, much like we saw smoking uh, public service announcements and, uh, you know, tobacco and pollution. We need to have that for gun ownership in this country. And, and the gun industry should pay for this. There should be a tax Ah, uh, there should be, you know, required insurance on guns. If if guns had an insurance requirement on them, like every other like major mm. thing you need insurance mm-hmm. for in this country, the cost of a gun would go up tremendously because the liabilities alone on a person owning a gun, uh, folks would think twice, frankly, if if they had to also buy corresponding insurance to buy a gun, right, to protect themselves and to protect. The safety of the community and those around them.
1: Me
0: Focus Features presents back to black.
1: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
0: Experience the music and her story.
1: Know this. I ain't no spy girl
0: Like never before.
1: As my daughter, as my Amy.
0: On the big screen.
1: I wanna be remembered just
0: be me. Amy Winehouse, back to black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R. Under 17, not a without parent, only in theaters, May 17th.
1: This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people you can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.
2: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to twenty-five percent. Identity theft protection starts here.
3: You know, it's just it's always so fascinating to me because I talk to, you know, um gun reform advocates all the time. And the reality is is that if having a gun made you safer, then America would be the safest country in the world, right? That we have more guns in the hands of people than we do people in this country. And it is, you know, there's it's like two or three guns per person. Um, you know, how 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 it maps out. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And even just listening to you, because this is the first time that I've heard the piece about the insurance, is that my God, you know, it it is just like we we just have a free-for-all. A free-for-all in this country of mayhem. You don't need to be trained. You barely need to have a license. You don't need to have insurance, um, but you can buy as many guns as you want, and and no one says anything or or does anything about it. And then we have you know thoughts and prayers that are sent out every time that there is a shooting. Um, you know, one of the other tactics that your organization is looking at is going after the banks, going after the banks that support gun manufacturers. Can you speak to that and why you yeah. think that that? Is a, is a good tactic.
4: Yeah, and so I want to give kudos to uh, an organization called Guns Down America, which uh, several years ago, I think it was 2018 or so, came out with a report card. Uh, they were, I, I want to say, one of the first folks in the GVP movement, the gun violence prevention movement, to do this. And so what they did was they rated banks on several factors, uh, you know, but the long and short of it was, how you know, do they... Uh, invest in the gun industry? Uh, do they bank? Do they allow the NRA to bank with them? Are they transparent about uh, gun violence uh, in America? Are they transparent about their uh, ESG policies and their principles, right, related to guns and gun, gun violence? And so they came up with this report card. It's on a website called isyourbankloaded.com. And, and so Uh, you will see there's, uh, I want to say, about four F-rated banks, and Wells Fargo is one of them. And so what we did was we took their analysis and we worked with them. And the reason we sort of picked on Wells Fargo is we knew that being a West Coast bank that uh, started originally in California and, frankly, even bragged about, uh, and to this day still brags about the the fact that during the Chinese Exclusion Act in the late 1800s, they, they still let Chinese Americans bank with Wells Fargo. Uh, and they're, you know, they're good on this related to APIs and good on that. We wanted to sort of call out their hypocrisy of it all. And so what we did was, we started a, a, a campaign about two months ago where we protested Wells Fargo because folks don't really realize that Wells Fargo is the bank of choice for the NRA. And when they were called uh, to testify in Congress several years ago, all they would say in response uh, in terms of you know financing the gun industry and the NRA is, oh, our relationship is in decline. But since that time, several years ago, they have not said a peep. They've not said a word. There's nothing in their annual reports uh, in relation to guns or the NRA uh, as toxic of a customer, the gun industry and, and the NRA are. And so what we decided to do is is um, almost borrowing from, you know, Jesse Jackson um, back in the days of the Rainbow Push Coalition, which if your listeners might recall, was a time when uh, a lot of Fortune 500 companies and uh, companies in America were just not being very good to the black community, right? There was few, if any, black board members. There was few, if any, blacks in uh, C-suites, uh, in higher uh even in middle management. And so what they did was they started protesting and boycotting these banks. And we said, you know, I hadn't seen too much of that in America. As of late, it kind of happens and it doesn't happen. But as a tactic, it's sort of lost favorability for one reason. And I, I started, you know, noodling around this issue. And I said, wow, you know, Asian-Americans are the wealthiest community in this country. How do we use the power, the social power, the social capital of that wealth? We're not using it at all right? It's, it's basically, we're quiet about it. We don't like to brag about it. We're not very, for the most, outside of weddings, I, I joke, we don't really brag about our wealth. <laughs> right? We love to have the big elaborate weddings, mm-hmm. but outside of that, one would never know. Uh, and, and, and I started to say, you know, we need to start using this as a wedge with banks and say, look, if you don't start changing your corporate policies, if you don't stop Defunding the NRA and the gun industry, the same industry and the same organization that are taking our paychecks and our deposits and our investments and then investing it in an industry that's marketing to us. We're purchasing more guns. Other people are purchasing more guns and then they're killing our community. Right. So you can see how this vicious circle starts with assets. It starts uh, with money. And that's what we're really trying to disrupt.
3: I mean, I think that it's a, I mean, it's a brilliant tactic, right? Because I think that when we often see these crises unfold, we think about the NRA, we think about the gun manufacturers, but we don't think about all of the funding that goes on behind closed doors. We don't think about where these organizations, where these groups are putting their money um, and who is holding it. And I think that it is really important to find other tactics and other avenues to get the job done right which is to protect as many people as possible no one is saying oh take i mean i say it to take people's guns away because i don't see what you know what good they do uh to be honest and you know had the founding fathers of this nation had you know a a a magic eight ball that could have showed them what was going to happen i doubt that they would have said you know what we should all still have the right to bear arms um, I think they probably would have amended the constitution or never put it in there in the first place. Um, you know, Varun, one of the the the, the other the other issues that I I would love to to tackle with with just the few minutes that we have is that you know the AAPI community is a community that has been looked at or at least portrayed um, by white Americans as the model. Right. As you you know, the, the term model minority as a way to create a wedge between um, other communities of color, namely the black community. Right. And so I, I want you to speak to what it looks like or how you move outside of that narrative that was placed on your community and work in collaboration with other um, with other racialized minorities uh, in this country to really create a true multiracial democracy, which is what we want.
4: Yeah, I'll give you one, um, but one tangible example that I think is going to be the most illustrative, given that here we are, Tuesday, June 27th. The Supreme Court will end their session in about 48 hours or so. We're waiting on a number of rulings, but uh, I would say one of the highest profile rulings we're waiting on is is what the Supreme Court's going to say on uh, possibly striking down affirmative action in yep. college admissions, right? And so, Um, We are just in the process now of, you know, preparing our statements. Um, And I I will say this, that uh, if it wasn't for affirmative action, uh, and I would say this multiracial democracy that relied, frankly, on affirmative action to ensure true diversity in, you know, colleges, right? It it, It is created multi-generational wealth for black brown indigenous and api communities even the communities within the api uh you know umbrella that are 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 not as uh uh, prominent and high profile and certainly not money southeast asian communities west asian communities pacific islander communities etc right they don't have the wealth that typical Chinese, Indian, Korean, Vietnamese might have, right? And so we need to stand together on this issue. Uh, we assume the worst is going to come out of the Supreme Court. Why? Yep. Because a lot of bad things have come out, right? A year ago, uh, a little bit more, we got the unfortunate Dobbs decision, right? So we know that. Um, but this is an opportunity, I think, for this, this Supreme Court ruling that we're all waiting on right now, this is a, an opportunity for once again for all of us to stand uh, arms locked and say, "We cannot move forward as a nation. I cannot prosper as an Indian American. I cannot prosper uh, as an Asian American API if." All people don't prosper, but particularly if people of color don't prosper in this nation. Those who are less, I looked at this up the other day, those that are less than 21 years of age in this nation are already living in a majority minority, you know, ecosystem, right? And every year that goes by, this country, it, 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 you know, accelerates towards this new country, right? And if it only works for white people, you know, it's not good enough. Uh, it's it's not good enough, and we cannot prosper as a nation. We can't have no. Nope. We, we can't grow our GDP. We can't lower the black unemployment rate even more. We can't lower the Hispanic uh, unemployment rate even more if we're not all uh, you know together on this one specific issue. But I think this issue sort of tells a lot about sort of, you know, how this nation is going to exist going forward. Uh, If we're going to be successful or we're not going to be successful, assuming that this, this case is, you know, doesn't go our way. Um, I think we'll, ha- we'll, we'll have to figure out, I would say a better way. I don't hear a lot and maybe I'm just not in the right circles. I don't hear a lot or see a lot, uh, in terms of, you know, us in the API community talking to, you know, black orgs and, and Latino orgs and indigenous works, um, you know, about how we're going to move forward, uh, on, on affirmative action, uh, Perhaps on some other issues. Uh, you know, we have seen a lot more racial solidarity, I would say, uh, since George Floyd, but I think it's kind of simmered, and maybe this will be, you know, another opportunity for us to, to join hands again.
1: Me.
0: Focus Features presents Back to Black.
1: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
0: Experience the music and her story.
1: Know this. I ain't no spy scale.
0: Like never before.
1: That's my daughter. That's my Amy.
0: On the big screen.
1: I want to be remembered for just being
0: me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under seventeen not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May seventeenth.
1: This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to five hundred anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country.
3: Varun Nikor, thank you so much for making the time for Woke App. Thank you for the work that you were doing. I think that this was a very illuminating conversation. Uh, before you go, please tell people how they can, you know, connect with your organization, how um, they can connect with you.
4: Uh, our two main channels, of course, are website, com and action uh, AAPI action is our Twitter handle. And of course, then you can get connected to our Instagram reels as well.
3: Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Appreciate you.
4: Thank you, Danielle. Appreciate your your voice and you uplifting this great conversation today.
3: That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF, as always. Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke
1: and stay woke as fuck. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country.
5: Right Rug Flooring.